Amen. 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 Just to think about the overwhelming power of the Lord, His love for us is staggering to think that He loves us so much. Amen. Amen. Just, just uh, take a moment and just receive His love right now. No matter what you're going through, He loves you. He's with you. He's made promises for you. He knows what you're going through. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but has compassion on us. Thank you, Father, for your compassion, your love for us, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord. We give you time to just talk to your people, Lord, minister to them, love them with an everlasting love. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, are you glad you came to church today? Amen. Yeah, I am, because, you know, uh, it's good to feel the anointing in the presence of the Lord. You don't get that on uh, TV all the time. You just watch it like you're watching, you know, a soap opera or something, and just like, you don't get the feel of what the Lord is doing. Amen? So we want to welcome you here, and I have a great message for you. How do I know it's a great message? Because it's from the Lord. Amen? <laughs> so let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together. We thank you that, Lord, we can worship you and praise you and thank you for all your love. Thank you that, Lord, you have given us your word that it may minister to us. We receive it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to talk to you today about something I don't hear many people, many ministers talk about, and that's how you talk. <laughs> the tone of your voice, the way you speak to someone, the way you minister to them, or you have your spirit that goes on them. Did you know that your spirit, you know, transmit? You know, when you've got uh, someone angry at you, that spirit gets on you, and then you get angry, and then before you know it, you got a fire going on, right? <laughs> and some people, don't, they don't recognize how they're talking. You know, some, some people will say, well, why did you do that? And you get upset, and you respond, and they say, well, what are you upset about? All I asked you is, why did you do that? No, that's not the way you said it in the beginning. You said, why did you do that? And they think that they were just saying, why did you do that? Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. It's your tone. It's your voice. It's how you communicate to one another and it, how it affects them after you speak. So I wish I could say the right things all the time. Oh, I wish I had just the, the spirit that would just be so loving and kind all the time. I'm not always that way. Maybe up here I am, but, you know, <laughs> in the real world, in the real life, sometimes things upset you. Can I get an amen? Do you ever say, I wish I hadn't said that? I wish I, I could take that back. I, I didn't really mean to say it that way. But guess what? You did. <laughs> because we found out that out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're speaking something that is not right, you have to know, wait a minute, uh, maybe my heart's not right. So we're going to show you how to get your heart right. How many of you need to get your heart right? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, you know, you can get fired from saying the wrong things on your job, politicians, movie stars, all these people, uh, sportscasters, they get fired for saying stuff uh, that they didn't think about, you know, the way they should say it. The Bible says, the wise in heart studies how he should answer. He teaches his mouth how to speak. So your heart has to take control of what comes out of your mouth. Can I get an amen on that? So after you say something, you've got to go, wait a minute, that, 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 that's not right. I didn't mean to say it that way. So we have to, let's check out how Jesus talked. And uh, his first sermon, 
Jesus' first sermon, now remember, he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Lord was giving, God the Father was giving him directions and instructions on what he was supposed to do in life. How many of you know you need instructions on what to do, even when you're the Son of God, Son of Man? Amen. Remember Jesus when he was in the temple? When he was 12 years old, he was talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, asking them questions, trying to find out, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? Oh, I am the Messiah. I have to do those things that are pleasing in his sight. We have to do that, too, after we get saved. We have to find out who we are in Christ, what we're supposed to do, what his plan for us is, and then follow the plan. (laughs) Pretty easy, isn't it? (laughs) Follow the plan. Follow the book. But he puts it in your heart what you're supposed to do. Your desires that you have will be manifested, and then you'll start doing those things that he he wants you to do. I know when I was a little boy, uh, 10 years old, I guess that's little, right? Uh, We we came from the Catholic Church, and uh, so I I thought I was going to be a priest. So I would get my sister as the altar boy, and we'd be at home, and we'd do a whole mass in front of my parents, you know. And, you know, Dominus Subiscum, Ecum Spiritutuo, and my sister... Say amen. Amen. Okay, good. <laughs> but then I found out that you have to live a life of celibacy. I said, oh, no, I think that's the wrong religion. I don't think that's going to work at all. Amen. So, but then I found out that I really wanted to be a Christian and I actually wanted to be a minister. But God had put it in my heart to do that. Praise the Lord. So whatever you find yourself to do, I know my son, he was in fourth grade, and he saw uh, an attorney come and speak to the class. And he said, that's why I want to be an attorney. Praise the Lord. So they, all of his life, he was trying to, you know, do those things that would put him in position. And then the funny thing is, after he graduated college, he said all of a sudden he didn't want to be an attorney anymore. And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> From fourth grade to graduated college, you don't want to be an attorney now all of a sudden? And so I called up my friend who he prophesies, and he was able to see into the future. And I said, can you pray and give my son a word so that he can know what he's supposed to do? He wants to be an attorney, but I don't know what, you know, he's going through his mind right now. So he, after the end of the conversation, he said, just tell your son to go to, church, go to school, learn how to be a lawyer, and I see him on the front row with papers helping you. Amen. So here he is on the front row with the papers helping us. Praise God. God looked ahead and saw what he was supposed to do. And from that moment on, he said, okay, I'm, I'm with it. I'm game. And so he followed along. Sometimes the devil tries to distract you and to subvert you to do something that you're not supposed to do. You have to keep pressing forward, go forth, and know that what God has called you to do, you surely will accomplish. Amen? You know, in, the, in Psalms 139, there's a book that's written about you with your name on it, Richard Salgado, and it says all the things that you're supposed to do, marry this girl, this pretty girl right here, and, and, and live and, and go to New Heart Four Square Church, praise the Lord. It's all planned out. It's written in a book, amen? I didn't think I'd get here. I went the roundabout way, you know, oh, man, 10 years this way, and then at the community center for 12 years, and then at another church, I'm going like, oh, Lord, how did I get here? Then, I, you know, you just look up and go like, it is the grace of God that got me here. Praise the Lord. I just kept on going, kept on following my heart, and the Lord comes and does great things for us. Praise God. So, uh, so Jesus' first sermon was at the temple, and uh, he got together. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, 
And as his custom is, he went to the synagogue. That was his custom. That, what does that mean? He went to church. Oh, Jesus went to church. Some people say, oh, I don't need to go to church. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus went to church. Okay. Well, uh, he went to the uh, synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. And as he was handed the book, which is actually parchments that they put together in a book, uh, and he read from Isaiah 61.1. He opened the book. He found the place where it was written. And Brother Bob's going to come and play Jesus right now and tell us what Jesus' first sermon was. Okay, let's welcome him as he comes. Praise the Lord. Amen. You don't have your Jesus costume on, but we can feel it. All right. Okay. Uh, this is uh, Luke, fourth chapter. I'm going to read the verse 18 and 19. But I want to say something about, about Isaiah. Isaiah lived about 700 years before Jesus comes on the scene. Just think about it. And we know he's going to come back on the scene, and we're going to see him as he is. Okay. Okay, I'm going to, uh, 18 and 19. Okay, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I mean, just think about it. That is for us today. And as he, well as he's spoken again. Do we ever feel oppressed sometimes? Come on. Yes, we do, you know, in life. But we have our hope rooted and grounded on the born-again experience because of the cross. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Bob. Praise the Lord. Well, that was Jesus' first sermon. And do you think it was well received by everybody? No. Some people thought, oh, what gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. How, how wonderful. The Spirit of the Lord is just upon us. Didn't we feel our heart burn? Didn't we just felt like the Lord was speaking to us? But others, what do they want to do? Take them outside on the cliff and throw them over the cliff but he just walked right through them. So I'm thinking to myself, I like to think about the Bible a little bit. I'm thinking, how did Jesus feel when he went home that night and Mary was cooking him dinner? And she goes, well, Jesus, how was your sermon today? Uh, not that good, Mom. Uh, actually, they tried to kill me on the, you know, I just preaching the word and, you know. Now, I've had some bad sermons in my life, but never did they ever want to throw me over the cliff, you know. So... He closed, check this out, he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Now, here's an interesting note. In those days, the Jewish ministers, the rabbis, they taught sitting down. They didn't teach standing up because they, when they sat down, they wanted to be in relationship, kind of like interpersonal uh, fellowship with the person. And th when they stood up, they were saying, this is the word of God, now I'm going to sit down and let's talk about it. So when he sat down, here's what he said. He said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He, you know what he's saying? He said, I, I'm, I'm it, okay? Shows the Old Testament, close the book, I'm here. The scripture is being fulfilled. I am the Messiah. And a lot of them didn't like that, so they tried to throw him overboard. Uh, so, but he spent time with the Lord. And uh, I'm moving ahead here now. 
But he had been praying and fasting and got his direction from the Lord. So nothing deterred him. It didn't, that didn't bother him that people didn't like what he heard. But, you know, even in this church, when I first took over this church, I was preaching faith, I was preaching the Bible, and people didn't like it that were here that, you know, 15 years ago. They didn't like it. And so after a year's time, they all left. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm saying, like, what happened? They go, well, we don't like that faith stuff, you know, because you get disappointed, and sometimes it doesn't work. And so I said, yeah, but that, that doesn't mean you, you stop. Right. You, you, you keep believing, and you keep saying, and you confess, and you thank God, and you believe. And sometimes it takes longer than you think. Amen? So I was talking to this one lady from, from past. She had some red uh, pallets that were low. They were at, like, 53,000. 53, and they needed to get up to 100,000. So she called me and we prayed. And she prayed all day, all day, every day. And she went to the doctor. She said, oh, it's up to 87,000 pallets now. I praise God for it. But, you know, she had to continually pray and thank God and see God work in her life. And a lot of you are believing God for some things. You know, you wake up and things are not always working 100%. But you have to keep believing and confessing and saying, I know the promises are true. God is real. And his, his word will not return unto me void. So as you continue to say it, you'll see what happens. So Jesus, he, he, he had a funny ministry because he didn't just uh, go to the elite. He went to the, to the publicans and the sinners and the gluttonous people and the wine bibbers. They came to him. They wanted to hear from him what he had to say because he had gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. In other words, when you speak, people can feel the Spirit of the Lord. They can be touched. They can say, man, I want to be around you. I want to hear some more. Have you, do you know people like that? They're so calm and so, so collected and so anointed, and you want to be around them. And so uh, the word uh, uh, grace in slide 58 it's defined as that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech. Can that, does that describe any of you out here? Oh, they're so charming. They're so sweet. They're so loving, you know. Even when things don't go right. Amen? Now, let's take, for instance, I have a, you know, when you get bad news, it, it kind of upsets you, doesn't it? The momentary first reaction when you get bad news is like, I'm, going, I'm so mad, I don't know what I'm going to do. But that shouldn't be our first reaction. I heard a minister told me one time, when you get bad news, your first reaction should be looking towards God, looking towards help. I know when I was at this other church and we were in the parking lot, that's where we had our house. And I got in the car, it was foggy that day, and I just got in the car real quick and I took off and I ran right into a pole. That pole wasn't there the night before, but for some reason, <laughs> the devil put it there. <laughs> and so my first reaction was not, oh, no, it's, oh, God, help me get out of this. So I called a friend of mine that was a body, he worked at a body shop, and I told him the situation. And he said, oh, yeah, bring it in, we'll fix it for you. I go, can you do it, like, before 5 o'clock, before my wife gets home? He says, no. It's going to take a little bit of while for, to do that. So he took care of it, and the, the pastor there, he gave me a rental car, so I was able to use the rental car. But my first reaction wasn't like slam the dashboard, get upset, you know, curse and do all that other kind of stuff. Uh, I said, Lord, help me. Ha! And the Lord helped me. 
So let's see this. We're going to bring up Rosie here. She's going to give us a little demonstration on how you're supposed to answer the phone or answer situations that come your way. <laughs> now, you know Rosie's a kind, sweet girl, right? Never a discouraging word. Isn't that right, Rosie? Okay, well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> so she's going to get a bill from her, her company, from the uh, phone company. It's called Spectacular Phone Service. You ever heard of them? No, there is no spectacular phone. <laughs> okay, so there, oh, let me see, give you a, a mic. Okay, there you go. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. They put that insurance premium on my bill again. That's the second month they do this. And I told them I didn't want it. Oh, this gets me so mad, so mad. I'm going to call them, and I'm going to get everybody to take care of the problem for me. That's $129 that they're sticking to me. This is ridiculous. Ring. I can't believe they're doing this. It's like they're just ignoring me, and they're trying to slip this by me. You know what? No. Ring. I bet the salesman, he gets commission for doing this, and he added it. That's why, because he wanted a commission. Ring. Well, they're not going to get away with it this time. They're going to hear from me. Hello. Uh... I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to let them have it with some righteous indignation. Excuse me, ma'am. How are you? This is a spectacular phone service. How may I help you? Well, I hope you can help me. You know, this is the second time you guys put this on my bill. Okay? I'm getting tired of this. What's wrong with you guys? Do you guys know what you're doing? You guys are incompetent. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. There must have been an error somewhere. Yes, it was an error. Two months in a row, mm. okay? How many times do I have to tell you? You guys better take care of it. Well, I, I'm, again, I'm sorry, ma'am. I, I can't help what goes through the system. Well, you better figure it out, okay? You better do something to fix the system. And you know what? Do you have a supervisor? Let me talk to your supervisor. Well, actually, I am the supervisor. Oh. And... Well, you, supervisor, can't even do it right either, Okay. So you know what? I'm just going to scratch this thing off. I'm going to send the bill in, and you better take care of it. Does that sound like anybody we know? I don't know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So that's, that's actually the wrong way to do it, isn't it? The wrong way to do it? Let, let's see how a, a real good Christian would do it, Okay. Oh my gosh, it looks like my phone service is messed up on my bill again. They're having trouble getting it right. I'll have to call them again and see what they can do for me to straighten it out. And you know, they're getting a lot of new customers and new employees are being hired, so I could see how that could happen. They can make a mistake. Let me call them. Ring. You know, it's a pretty good deal but I really don't need the insurance. I hope they can help me. Ring. He was pretty nice, and I'm sure he was trying to do his job. And they did have some good benefits. 
spring. Well, Lord, just please give me favor that I can talk to somebody who can help me take care of the problem. Hello, uh, this is Spectacular Phone Service. How may I help you? Well, I hope you can help me. I just signed up for a new phone with your service, and I'm very happy. But I just wanted to mention that the insurance premium keeps on getting added onto my bill. And this is the second month in a row. I'm sorry, ma'am. That, that must have been an error. I'll try to correct it. That would be great. And how are you going to correct it? Well, usually I just put it through the system again, but sometimes that doesn't work. Right, because this is the second month you guys do that. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I see that. It was on your previous statement as well. Well, I'll tell you what. You're so nice. Uh, I usually get a lot of people that are angry when they call up, but you're not angry. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to call the department down there, have them fix it, and then you won't see it again. So can you be on hold for just a minute? Sure. Thank you, Lord, for helping me with this. And how can I minister to this wonderful gentleman? I know. I'll invite him to our Harvest Festival on October 30th. That's what I'll do. That was a little plug, you know. For <laughs> All right, ma'am. I'll, I'll take it care of. Uh, you know, you won't see that premium on your bill anymore. They corrected it. Well, thank you. That's so kind of you to help me. And you know what? I'd like to invite you to my Harvest Festival at the church, and it's going to be on October 30th. We're going to be having a barbecue, country music, a joust arena. We're going to have a lot of fun, and I'd like to invite you. Well, that sounds great. How can I get more information for that? Well, you can go to our website at our church, and it's mm -hmm. newheartforyou.com. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot. You know, I'll tell my wife and kids, you know, they, I have a son who's nine years old, and he would just like to beat somebody up with those jousting sticks, so I, I'm sure he'll want to be there. Great. See you there, and God bless you. Okay, God bless you too. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. You're such a good God. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, which, which Rosie do we like? The first Rosie or the second Rosie? Yeah, the second Rosie, the good Rosie, amen? So I'm going to have her make my calls for me when I have uh, some bills that need to be taken care of. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, the word charis, it, it comes from, uh, it's a word that we use for our term charisma, right? Someone who has charm charisma, like a, a charming host or a charming couple, people that are, are there, and they, they're just so loving and kind and sweet, and you feel so welcomed. Uh, my son, he was taking a class in Biola, and one of the teachers, she was so welcoming. I just felt like, I felt great because she made me feel great, and that's what it takes to be great is to make someone else feel great, not you uh, being so famous. Uh, I tell the story, I met Henry Winkler, you know, the Fonz, in a studio one, one night, and he was so kind, so thoughtful, just thinking about me, what am I doing? He was talking about me. And so I went home and I told my family, you know, I just met a new friend, Henry Winkler. So every time he was on TV, I'd say, there's my friend, Henry. So I did this for a little while, and finally my wife, you know, my wife doesn't mess around. She said, wait a minute, he's not your friend. Friends call each other. He doesn't call you. I said, oh, yeah, but he was so charming there for a while. <laughs> so God wants us to be charming. Amen? Praise the Lord. 
So uh, he went into the, he, he did that reading. I'm looking for my notes here, going through them. Okay, today the scripture was fulfilled. Closed the book, and guess what? Everybody wanted to stone him. Isn't that terrible? All right. Anybody, like, give you a hard time when you just tell them about the word? Tell them about the Lord? Okay. So everybody, you know, you have to have a touch from the Lord. You have to have the Lord impart to you his grace, his spirit, his love. You can't go around just being yourself, okay? Yourself is not good enough, amen? Yourself cannot handle the situations that we're facing, especially in this time and age, amen? You look at the world, you go like, oh, my gosh. You look at the news, it's like, is this disaster headquarters or something? I mean, like, how can it get any worse? Well, wait till tomorrow. It gets even worse than that, amen? Like my son said, uh, that is a proposition one where they want to have abortion all the way up to the time of birth. What, What kind of mess is this, you know? How, how can, the, you know, someone was saying, you know, if, if, you, if you get a, a little egg from a, a, a bald eagle or something and you, and you destroy it, you know, there's a penalty for that, but you can destroy an egg that's from a, a mother. That doesn't make sense. So anyway, uh, Jesus, so, so you have to have your own experience with God. And I listen to people that talk about how they've had experiences with God. And have you ever heard these videos where people say that Jesus came and visited them? And then they, sometimes they go up to heaven and they have a tour of heaven. Has, has anybody ever saw, seen that, seen those videos? I don't see very many hands. Let me see, let me see your hands. Let me see. Not that many, huh? Well, you know, I like to know where I'm going, amen, after this life is over. So I try, like to get a peak preview. And so they tell us about it. You know, not, you have to, you know, be careful what you're listening to. Sometimes people make things up. Can you believe that? But anyway, I, I put them all together. And so I'm in my bedroom or living room, my wife's in the bedroom sleeping, and I get up early and I pray, and I talk to the Lord, and I said, Lord, you know, there's some time here. You could come and visit me. Marianne's not going to wake up for a couple of hours. We have time to, you know, socialize and to talk. I can look into your eyes and everything. I've heard your eyes are so full of love. Or if you want to take me up to heaven, I'm free to go. I've got time. You know, let's just go. And, and so I, it I've done this for quite a few nights and mornings, but it doesn't happen. But not yet, right. Some people say they do this for like a year's time. But anyway, I'm putting my requests in. And so as I'm there talking to the Lord, I lift up my hands and I say, Father, I just love you. I just praise you. I, I just, I can't see you, but I know that you're here. And then all of a sudden, I felt his presence come upon me in a supernatural way. And I heard him say, I see you. And I hear you. And I go, okay, that's all. I, thank you for that. Amen. Thank you for that. And then I was remembering, he reminded me in Lazarus, when he, Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, what did uh, Jesus say? Father, I know that you hear me always, but because of these people here, I'm speaking to you. God hears you always. And then I looked at Psalms 33. It says, the Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. That's you and me. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their heart individually. He considers all their works. He sees us. He knows us. He knows what we're going through. Call out to him. And it may not be immediate, but it was definite that he will hear and see you. Amen? So I heard I, I, I heard that if you look in the Bible, there's always things that 
the men of God have experienced and the women of God have experienced that you can experience too. So the minister that was saying this, he said that he wanted to experience what Paul felt like being in the deep a night and a day. I go, that doesn't sound like something I'd want to be experiencing, being in the deep, being in the sea, a night and a day, cold and everything. But he said he felt how Paul felt. I said, I'm going to pick a different scripture. <laughs> I'm going to go to the woman at the well where Jesus was ministering to her and he sent the disciples out to get some food. And he spoke to her, the oracles of God. And when they came back, he said, I'm not hungry anymore. My meat is to do the will of the Father. In other words, he was filled with the Spirit. He wasn't hungry. He wasn't thirsty. He wasn't tired anymore. I said, Lord, that's what I want to experience. That's what I want to feel. So one day, when I was ministering at the other church, and I was laying hands on the sick, and uh, believing for the healing of God, I just got filled with the Spirit. And then, you know, what do you do after church? What do we all do after church? We go and eat, right? But I went, we went to go eat at Marie Callender's, I can remember it this day, because I wanted to feel that experience. We sat down, and I wasn't hungry. Nothing seemed good to me. I said, hmm, I must be filled with the Spirit. They said, do you want some water? No, nah, I, I don't even want some water. I'm just, I'm good. I'm in the Spirit. So, you can experience whatever is, has been experienced in the Bible, and especially what Jesus has experienced. So I, I called, uh, you've heard of the Azusa Street Revival, where they had the Holy Spirit came and ministered to the people, and they had service three times a day for three years, and people came from all over the world to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I called one of the ladies, not the actual lady, but the, the daughter of one of the ladies, and I said, what did that feel like? She said, well, my mom told me that when she went there, that she felt the power of the Lord, and she didn't eat for a whole, whole week. All she did was pray, 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 pray. I go, really? Hmm. Well, how did you feel when you had it? Well, she prayed for me, and I didn't eat for three days. All I did was pray, pray, pray. I go, wow. So we can be filled with the Spirit. So if you're here today, and you're being filled with the Spirit, and you go out and eat, then you're not really being filled with the Spirit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So you have to be aware of what you put in your spirit. Amen? Because when you pray a lot, your heart gets open, and whatever's on the outside comes on the inside. I can remember a story. In, in, in my first church, they had some financial problems, and they, were, uh, they needed help. So I used to fast and pray and be close to the Lord and ask for his provision. They would go out and eat lunch and everything, and they, they, I told them, no, I'm praying. They go, okay, well, whatever. And so... Um, but at nighttime, around 11 o'clock, I said, I need a little release. I need to relax a little bit, you know, maybe have some humor, have some, some, some comedians, some, you know, funny shows. So I'd watch Laurel and Hardy. How many, do you remember Laurel and Hardy? You remember, you know, <laughs> that's another fine mess you've gotten me into. And then what did, what did the other, the skinny guy go, oh, I didn't know what he that you were going to go. I didn't know what that you were going to go. And so I watched that every night for a couple of weeks. Then all of a sudden, when I was going to do the offering, I felt like that spirit got on me. So the offering went something like this. I know you guys ought to just give the Lord. You ought to give some money to the Lord because he... I said, oh, man, forget that. <laughs> right? So you don't know what you're doing, what you're saying. Look at your, the source that's coming into your spirit and block it and stop it from coming in. And that way you can have godly thoughts, good thoughts, 
good words out of your heart, not out of your mouth. Praise God. In Ephesians 4, 29 through 30, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. You say, well, I'm just speaking my mind. I'm just saying how I feel. No, you're not supposed to do that. It says, let no corrupt communication. I'm not hurting anybody. Oh, yeah, you are. Let's look at the next verse. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. Have you ever said something and you wish you could tell the air kind of let out of the balloon and you just felt like, I don't think the Lord wanted me to say that. I just feel bad about that. I, I, and I have to be careful because I kid a lot, and sometimes I'll say stuff, and maybe people will take it wrong, and so I have to pray, Lord, let them not see it in that light. You know, Lord, can you smooth it over and everything? And that's how you can tell if you have a friend, because a friend will overlook a fault. They won't take it seriously. They won't take it personal, right? Now, let's, I got a couple more scriptures to just kind of let you know what the Lord's saying. In Colossians 3, uh, 4 through 6, it says, let your speech... Always be with grace. How often? Always. Well, let's take a little exception right here. No, always be with grace. Season with salt that you may know how to answer everyone. And then the next one, look at Matthew 12, 36. But I say unto you that every idle word, every unproductive word that men speak, they will give account of it until the day of judgment. Isn't that? Every idle word, every unproductive word, just chit-chat. Just how you doing, you know? I'm just talking I'm just saying, well, you're saying stuff that God's saying, now. you need to be productive. Can, can you imagine this? Jesus, 33 and a half years, he never said anything wrong. He never said, oh, I take that back. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Or I was just kidding. 33 and a half years, I can't even go half a day, you know. All of a sudden, you know, oh, I, I, did I say that? I'm so sorry, I didn't mean it. Yeah, you, you better be careful now with that. Okay, so <laughs> the Bible says, uh, in Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken in due season is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Now, this was supposed to be a good thing in those days. Apples of gold in settings of silver. It, it, the way you can say it in a different way is a, rightly ruling, a ruling rightly given. In other words, you're saying just the right thing at the right time to the right people. Amen? And, and, and God's blessed. Have you ever been in a meeting and the narrator asks for questions or asks for comments, and you raise your hand, and you say something, and it's good, and they go, wow, that was great insight. I'm glad you brought that up. Don't you feel good? You stick your imaginary chest out and go, oh, yeah, I got it. I thought of that myself, you know. <laughs> but when Peter answered, who do you think I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Peter, Jesus said, you didn't think of that yourself. My, father, my, spirit, my father's spirit told you that. And then on the opposite side, you ever been in a meeting where you raise your hand and you say something, everybody goes like, phew, that's a stinky question. I mean, <laughs> they say there's no dumb questions. There's just dumb people asking questions, okay? Amen. <laughs> Sometimes that's me, amen? Praise the Lord. But Jesus said some things that were kind of hard to take. I mean, he told the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, you snakes. I always wonder, how, how did he say that, where they, he did, they didn't, you know, it was still gracious. He called some people whitewashed sepulchers. That means you're dead man's bones, and you just paint the, the, the tombstone white, and you look good, but on the inside, you're not that good. He even rebuked the disciples for their lack of faith. Rebuked them. 
What does that look like? Well, I've heard the Lord rebuke me before, and it's not pleasant, but it's got full of faith and full of love and full of life, meaning I can rise up and do better. He told them, oh, ye of little faith, how much longer must I be with you? How would you like to have that? Oh, ye of little faith. Actually, he did speak to me that one time. He called me. He said, oh, boy of little faith. I go, Lord, I'm 33 years old. What do you mean, boy? You know, I believe you for so many things. What are you talking about? He said, well, you're not believing me over the situation. You have little faith. Okay, I'll rise to it. Amen? So it says here in Proverbs 16, 23, you ready for this? Then we're going to have another testimony from uh, Rosie. The heart of the wise... Teaches his mouth. You teach, you, you tell your mouth what to say. You can say, oh, that just slipped out. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from. I'm just telling it like it is. No, you're not supposed to tell it like it is. You're supposed to tell it like the way the Lord wants you to tell it. You teach your mouth. The, the, another scripture says, the wise in heart studies how to answer. So you take a little breath and you go like, hmm, do I really want to say it this way? How can I say it a, a different way? Sometimes, you know, when people confront you with things, your first reaction is to go and strike back, but you have to take a little time and say, wait a minute now, how can I say this in a little more easy-to-be-entreated way? Praise God. So uh, in Proverbs 15, 1 through 4, it says, you ready for this? A soft answer turns away wrath. So when people come against you angry, what are you supposed to do? Calm down. Be soft. And it turns away wrath. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So when people come at you with a, a bad spirit, I used to say, do the ole uh, routine. Just like, like a bullfighter, ole. <laughs> Let that just pass on through. Now, anyway, what I was talking to you about, <laughs> pay it no mind, amen? So you can have gracious words that proceed out of your mouth. You can be like Jesus. So Rosie's going to come up because her and Marianne were out shopping, and they had an experience ministering to others and telling them about the Lord. So, Rosie? But this is the sweet Rosie, the nice Rosie, okay? Well, the other day, Marianne and I went shopping for the women's breakfast at the 99-cent store. And uh, we walked in, we started doing our shopping, and we had a cart full of uh, centerpieces for the tables. And so there was this lady passing by, and she, I think we had like nine in the cart. And the lady passes by, and she looks, and she says, oh, um, those are really nice. Are you guys, have, what are you guys having? And I turn around, and I said, oh, it's for our church. I said, we're having a women's breakfast. I said, you want to come? And uh, right away, she says, oh, when is it going to be? So she got really interested, and so we, Marianne and I started talking to her, and um, she started sharing with us about her family and about her health, and, and she was saying that she was retired and she was, you know, that she was bored and she wanted things to do. So we said, well, hey, you know, we'd love to have you at our church. You know, you can come and volunteer. And, and she's like, oh, it sounds really interesting. I, you know, I'd really like to do that. So um, we ended up praying with her because uh, she had some health issues. And then as we were finishing with the prayer, there was another young lady coming by with her little two-year-old in the cart. And she says, oh, that was such a beautiful prayer. So we turn around and it's like, do you want us to pray for you? And she's like, sure, you know. And then she told us that 
the reason why she wanted the prayer is because her two-year-old had, um, I think it's type 2 diabetes. Um, and so she said that her husband is having a hard time accepting the fact that her, their child is sick and that he was kind of mad at God. So then uh, we prayed with her, and uh, we ended up inviting both ladies. We gave them information on the church, and um, I connected with them yesterday, and they were both excited, and they both want to come and visit. And, and so, you know, uh, all glory to God. You know, he put us there at the right time. And, and, you know, it's a good opportunity when there's that little window of opportunity, you know, for you to minister to people that's a good time, you know, small talk. It could start with small talk, and then from there, you could always bring up, you know, the Lord or, you know, and, and minister to them. So that was our opportunity that we had, and we were, we were both pumped up that day. And then we invited the manager. Um, and so when we were checking out, you know, it's like, hey, do you go to church? You know, and so we were on a roll that day. And so God willing, you know, we're going to have them as visitors one day. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Rosie. Amen. Doing the work of the ministry wherever you are, right? So as we conclude, I want to, you say, well, how do I change my mouth, my brain, my heart? Did you, anybody have that question? Anybody? Okay, good. That's enough for me to continue. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's found in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5. We've mentioned this before, but... You can only get it by putting the Word of God into your heart, through your mind, and then it'll come out your mouth, and it'll come out in your actions. And it goes like this. It says, love endures long and is patient and kind. So I've been saying it all this week. I endure long. I endure long, and I am patient and kind. So I was at Walmart the other day, and uh, <laughs> the lovely store. And, you know, they have that red button that you hit when the attendant is supposed to come, like sometime that day. <laughs> <laughs> and people walk by, and they always say, oh, I don't have the key to that. You know, well, can you call somebody? No, nobody's around, and then you just sit there. So I was there, and a lady was there. She was pushing the button, and I came down the aisle, and I go, yeah, I need that too. She says, I've been pushing this button for a while, and nobody's come. They walk by me, and they say they don't have the key. So I said, well, let's just, you know, let's just work together on this. So a lady came by, and we said, can you call somebody, or can you contact the manager? He goes, well, the manager's not here. I go, well, can you contact anybody? And all of a sudden, the lady, another lady comes by real happy. Oh, you know, here, I'll open it up for you. And the lady that was the customer says to me, I just don't have any patience. I go, you really shouldn't say that, you know. I'm, I'm studying this scripture right here. It says, love endures long and is patient and kind. So I've been saying that, and so now I am patient and kind. She goes, thank you very, she didn't slap in my face, she said, thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that, amen. And I went to the checkout stand too, and she was seeing all the stuff that I bought for the kids, you know, the balls and paint for the, uh, the, the grass. She goes, oh, you must have a lot of kids. Yeah, I got a whole church full of kids, amen. We're going to have a party uh, next week. And she goes, oh, okay, good. So but as you continue on here, it says, love does not insist on its own rights or its own way does not insist on its own rights or its own way. You have to take a back seat sometimes. Let somebody else go first. It is not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. And that one I have to study a lot because sometimes, you know, you get touchy. Anybody get touchy? You know, don't bother me with that. Yeah. Well, now's not the time. 
not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. Somebody will do you wrong, and you just won't even take account of it. Pay no attention to it. I didn't pay attention. Yeah. Amen? Okay, here we go. Verse 7. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Well, I don't know if I can bear up under this. Well, love can. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Praise the Lord. I, I, I was talking to uh, uh, Leanne about James, because James always has a good word to tell about somebody. You know, he's always kind. He always thinks the best. And you might present a situation that looks like, oh, man, you know, let's just jump on the bandwagon and, and tell, him, tell that person how bad they are. And he'd always turn it around and say, well, you know, think about it this way. Yeah, good, good, good thinking, James. Okay. So ever ready, ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Amen. So my challenge to you is, change your heart, change your mind, change your thoughts. And people will say, have you noticed, David Chacon, how gracious words proceed out of his mouth? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together today. We just rejoice in you. We thank you, Lord, that we have your words in our mouth and in our heart so that we may minister to those that are uh, in front of us and that need to hear your word. We give you praise and glory and honor for all that you're doing for us. And we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness being manifested in our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.